Hi and welcome to episode 5 of the FFS Show, a podcast about misinformation brought to you by The Ferret. I'm Mags Taylor. And I'm Ali Bryant. What have we got coming up in this episode, Ali? We've been looking at the STV leaders debate, so we've five fact checks to talk about, each one from a Scottish party leader. there were quite a few claims to do with education in the last leaders debate weren't there yeah um now you you let's start with first minister nicola sturgeon you looked at one that she made about the the number of teachers that were employed over the lifetime of this last parliament what what did she Hmm. say and what did you find out as you say she was getting examined over the scottish government's education Hmm. record quite a lot um and she said that quote we've employed over the lifetime of this parliament three thousand more teachers that's not including the 1,400 during the pandemic. That means the extra teachers that were funded to help Scotland's education recovery sure. post-COVID-19. Sure. And what, what did you find out? Was that claim about 3,000 true? So, yeah, the claim that about 3,000 teachers was based on figures which are published by the Scottish Government every year for, in the summary statistics for schools. Uh, that basically is a, a teacher survey which collects information about teachers, pupils, etc across schools in scotland every year the statistics show that uh, in 2020 there were 52,672 full-time equivalent teachers so that's not necessarily uh head count but how many equivalent to full-time teachers there are sure yeah from 2015 which is the kind of baseline figure for before the lifetime of this parliament that's been an increase of 2,993 teachers mm-hmm. so on the face of it it seemed to be accurate. There certainly had been an increase of around 3,000 from 2015 to the latest figures, which were came out in December 2020. Right, okay, so that sounds like that was an accurate claim then. Well, not exactly, because uh, while the first half of it, in terms of we've employed over the lifetime of this parliament 3,000 teachers, mm. is broadly accurate, she also said that that doesn't include 1,400 which were hired during the pandemic. So the SNP put in place extra funding during the COVID-19 pandemic in order to increase the number of teachers because of the impact that COVID-19 had had on teaching. Mm. They said, Nicola Sturgeon in the debate said that the 3,000 figure was you know, pre-pandemic, not including the ones that had been added to deal with COVID. That doesn't seem to be the case. Um, the report itself says that additional teachers have been recru- recruited in the 2020-21 school year. Uh, to support the recovery of education following the disruption caused by COVID-19. These additional teachers are likely to be a major contributing factor to the increase in teacher numbers. So it's interesting, if you look at the figures between 2015 and 2019, so these mm. last figures, which don't include when we were in the pandemic, there were 70, uh, just over 1,700 more teachers had been recorded. So 1,700 between 2015 and 2019. But then around 1,200 were recruited between 2019 and 2020. Okay. Which strongly suggests and is backed up by the um, the report itself that it's likely that a significant number of those teachers would have been specifically hired for COVID-19. So it's slightly misleading. So so does that 3,000 include the 1,400 then? Well, we don't know how many of the teachers of the 1,400 it does include. Right. Um, the SNP said that, uh, confirmed to us that um, they'd hired 1,400, just over 1,400, which was their promised amount um, mm-hmm. by November last year to assist in the recovery from COVID-19. But Some of them will be included in the figures. We're not sure how many, but certainly according to the report, and if you look at the kind of significant jump in numbers, 
it seems likely that a significant number of them were hired for COVID-19 rather than in the normal course of increasing the number of teachers for education in Scotland. Okay, so what, what, what was your verdict on this one? We ended up with half true. Obviously, the claim that the Scottish government had increased teacher numbers by 3,000, that part of it was true. But specifically, she was, she was saying, this is 3,000 not including COVID teachers. And the statistical report notes that... Some of them are. Yeah, the teachers uh, that were recruited for COVID-19 were, quote, a major contributing factor to the increase in 2020 statistics. So that's what the First Minister had to say. Now, uh, Douglas Ross, the leader of the Scottish Conservatives, he also questioned mm. Nicola Sturgeon on teacher numbers, didn't he? What, what did he have to say? Yeah, so they made quite similar but uh, slightly different claims, mm. um, both about the number of teachers. So Nicola Sturgeon claiming that there was 3,000 more teachers in Scotland since the start of this parliament. Mm-hmm. And Douglas Ross attacking the SNP's record overall, saying... Quote, we've seen since SNP got into power, 1,700 fewer teachers in Scotland. Okay, now, I don't know if this was based on the same report, but what what did you find out about these figures? So, obviously, Douglas Ross's claim is based on since the SNP got into power, so that's Mm -hmm. 2007. Um, and saying there were 1,700 fewer teachers now than there were in 2007. Um, Again, these statistics are based on the same report that uh, Nicola Sturgeon's claim was, which is called the Summary Statistics for Schools, published every year. His claim is based, again, on the number of uh, full-time equivalent teachers Mm -hmm. in Scotland in 2007 compared to the most recent figures. In 2007, the number of um, full-time education teachers was 53,411, and that was its highest point since devolution. Since then, the number of teachers kind of reduced year on year on year to a low of just over 49,500 in 2014. And then from 2015 onwards, there's been a kind of rebound in those numbers. And we know now, obviously, that the latest figures for 2020, 52,672. Okay, so that's a quick calculation in my head. That's not a reduction of 1,700, is it? What, What did you find out about his claim? No, so that that reduction is is seven hundred thirty nine positions. Big so, there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, it seems that they were including um, early learning and childcare teachers into the figures, which are, are usually excluded from uh, okay. the figures so in the report. So nursery kind of, teachers, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Um, that would mean that the reduction had been around fifty five thousand one hundred to around fifty three thousand four hundred, which is a decrease of just under seventeen hundred. Okay. They're you're quoting slightly differently from the from the uh, the figures. But the problem is that Scottish government statisticians have changed the way that early learning and childcare teachers were were counted right, in the, okay. in the stats. So is that fair to include those? Well the the report itself says that report, uh, teacher data before and after two thousand and ten is not comparable. Right. It means we can't say with any confidence specific numbers before and after, but there has been a significant decrease in early learning and childcare teachers since since 2010. The number of teachers has more than halved okay. um, from around 1,500. So we can tell that there has been a significant uh, decrease in, if you include the those teachers into the equation. We can't say with any certainty whether it's 1,700. Sure. So Douglas Ross, he was on the right track, but not quite right. What what did you go for with your verdict? Yeah, so that we went with half true again. Okay. The problem with the claim is that the figures that he's using, while they are in a port, are not are statistically considered to be not comparable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just very difficult to compare those two things. But he is correct in the kind of thrust of what he's saying, which is there's been a significant decrease in teacher numbers 
from before the S&P got into power to the present day. You're listening to the FFS Show, a podcast about misinformation and fact-checking by The Ferret. If you want to help us do more podcasting and more fact-checking, join The Ferret for just £3 a month at theferret.scot forward slash subscribe. So Mags, it wasn't just education that everybody was talking about during the debate, was it? Um, the Scottish Labour leader, Anna Sarwar, made a claim about uh, the living wage in Scotland. That's right, yeah. So he, he said there are over 300,000 people across the country who earn below the Scottish living wage. So what did you find out about his claim? Well, there are various different uh, wage levels in the UK. Um, minimum wage levels are set by the UK government. So you have minimum wage, uh, which varies mm. depending on how old you are, whether you're an apprentice, etc. And then there's a national living wage, which is set by the government uh, for anyone over the age of 23. And that is set at £8.91 an hour. The national living wage set by the government isn't the same as the living wage, though, is it? No, no, it's not. So the national living wage um, is reckoned to not actually be enough for people to live on. So there's an organisation called the Living Wage Foundation. Um, They they actually accredit employers for paying what's known as the real living wage. Now, that is calculated by another foundation, the Resolution Foundation, who they they focus very much on financial inclusion. And they Mm. reckon that to to be able to live on a, a per hour uh, payment it would be nine pounds fifty an hour, so quite quite significantly higher than the eight pound ninety one an hour over the course of a week. So the Living Wage Foundation they accredit employers in England who who pay the the real living wage, but they have a, a partner organisation in Scotland called Living Wage Scotland, right. uh, which is funded by the Scottish government, and they accredit Scottish businesses that pay the real living wage. Uh, there are nineteen hundred employers accredited in Scotland and actually Scotland has the highest share of all all the, the employers across the UK it, it accounts for 27% of the UK total so it seems like uh, Scotland's doing relatively well on um, living wage employment compared to the UK but was Sarwar right to say there was over 300,000 people that were not receiving that wage he was right yeah uh, the living wage foundation they they issued a report um, last year, which found that in April 2020, there were 350,000 people in Scotland that were earning below that, that wage level, the real living wage. Right. Now, those statistics were based on data supplied by the Office for National Statistics, um, based on hourly rates and uh, hours that people work. Now, that, the, the number actually is quite significantly higher than 300,000 that Anna Sarwar quoted, 350,000, but it had come down a year previously. Mm. It was at 398,000. So, yeah, there are still quite quite a large number of people earning be- below that real living wage, but things are improving in Scotland. So it sounds like Anna Sarwar was spot on then in that claim, really. Yeah, yeah, we went for true with that. So I said not everything in this debate was about education. But it was quite a common theme. Yeah, Patrick Harvey from the Greens, he was talking about education, specifically the exams controversy from last year. Exactly. Uh, what was he yeah. saying? Yeah, so he, he wasn't talking about teacher numbers. He, he was talking, he said to First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, uh, last year, your exams authority, the SQA, 
punished 75,000 mostly working class young people, lowering their school grades for no reason other than the postcode. Okay, so obviously we all remember the controversy last year around the SQA exams. Yeah. The um, artificial lowering of grades was something we've written about at the Ferret before. We certainly did an explainer on it uh, last year. So was what you're saying true? Yeah, well, as you said, this this was a huge story at the time. Uh, all, all exams in Scotland were cancelled because of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And as a result, the, the SQA, the Scottish Qualifications Agency, had to come up with a, an alternative system for calculating results. Yeah. Now, that, that system was based on teacher estimates, which you would think, fair enough, the teachers know how, how their pupils are doing, they will know where how, how they should be faring in their exams. But... The, the controversy occurred because those estimates were moderated by taking account of schools' prior history of attainment. How did that affect pupils from different backgrounds? Yeah, well, we, we hear a lot about the attainment gap, don't we? And that's another issue that we've written quite a lot about on, on the ferret, isn't it? A hell of a lot. Yeah. So um, to, to give a very brief summary of it, the attainment gap tends to occur in terms of those who live in most deprived areas do less well than those in the wealthiest areas. I mean, that, that's a very broad overview of it. But essentially, what that meant for, for this moderation process was that those living in the least affluent parts of the country saw their exam grades reduced by a higher proportion than those living in the wealthiest areas. So basically, because their schools historically had not done as well as those in the wealthier areas, their results got marked down by a larger proportion. We know that uh, results were marked down because of the moderation process but how many students had their grades adjusted yeah that's right so in total there were 134,000 pupils which was a quarter of the total who who would have been put forward for exams had their grades adjusted now of that number roughly half 76,000 just under 76,000 had their grades lowered so not not everyone had their grades lowered obviously some of them had their grades increased from the estimated level but yeah just under the 76,000 had their grades lowered because of that and this seemed to fall uh often on those living in the most deprived parts of Scotland. It did, yeah. Now, initially, there was a huge outcry immediately. A lot of the students themselves, they really mobilised. I think there were protests in George Square. Um, they, yeah. they were really incensed about the way that their um, results had been calculated. Um, Education Secretary John Swinney initially denied that poorer pupils had been disproportionately affected, but he did... After pressure was put on, he did have to admit that uh, the process didn't get it right for everyone. And he actually, mm. um, he, he apologised directly to all those pupils and he ordered the SQA to, to withdraw the downgraded results. In an equality impact assessment published by the government in December, so quite quite a few months afterwards, um, yeah. it, it, they said that the data did show that for all levels of qualifications, the changes in pass rates were larger for those learners in the more more deprived areas than in the less deprived areas. It wasn't only those in less deprived areas that were impacted, but they were more impacted, and the proportion to which they were impacted was larger than those in the the less in the better off areas. So, what verdict did we give Patrick Harvey then? We went with two because Patrick Harvey said that the, the SUA punished seventy five thousand mostly working class young people. That that is accurate. The government's own data backs that up, um, and he also said that their their school grades have been lowered for no reason other than the postcode, which again, but because the the adjustments were based on schools' previous history of attainment and because of what we know about the attainment gap, um, it, it it was 
essentially punishing pupils who, who lived in less wealthy areas. Okay, so the final claim we looked at uh, from the leaders' debate was from Scottish Liberal Democrats leader Willie Rennie. He was talking about uh, the NHS. Yeah, the NHS has been quite a theme for Willie Rennie across the two leaders' debates. He, he's held uh, Nicola Sturgeon to, to account for, for quite a lot of claims to do with that. But uh, this particular one was to do with waiting times. Um, now, he, he said that Nicola Sturgeon's leadership has brought us an NHS waiting time guarantee that she promised would be in 18 weeks. He said everyone would be treated within 18 weeks, but that's been broken 380,000 times. So he's saying that Nicola Sturgeon's uh, waiting time guarantee has been broken hundreds of thousands of times. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what are the facts behind that? Waiting time guarantees, that, that's been kind of a hallmark of the, the SNP government and it was really brought yeah. in by Nicola Sturgeon in her former role as Deputy First, First Minister and uh, Cabinet Secretary for Health. So in 2007, the government published its Better Health, Better Care Action Plan and as part yeah. of that, it said that the maximum time anyone would have to wait for outpatient treat, treatment, so from the point of GP referral to getting the actual treatment would be 18 weeks. And that promise is known as the referral to treatment standard. Is that what Willie Rennie was talking about then? Well, <laughs> yes and no. So in terms, there is that 18 week waiting time uh, target, which is the referral to treatment standard. And that yeah. has actually been breached uh, quite a number of times, actually significantly more times than Willie Rennie said. Um, since that was brought in in November 2011, that has actually been breached 1.1 million times. Um, wow. yeah, yeah, so significantly more than the three, 380,000. Uh, yeah, the Scottish government requires that standard to be met for ninety percent of patients, and over the nine-year time frame, a total of eight point four million patients were referred for outpatient treatment. So, actually, um, the, the the waiting time target was breached one point one million times, and that means that it didn't actually get get hit that ninety percent target because it, it achieved right. it for eighty-seven percent of patients. There's quite a big difference between three hundred eighty thousand and one point one million. Uh, yeah, a huge difference. So um, now I, I spoke to the the Liberal Democrats, and the spokesperson for them yeah. uh, said that actually what Willie Rennie had been referring to was the Scottish government's treatment time guarantee, which is a completely different thing. That that, that is right. their their twelve week guarantee, and now that is not for outpatient referrals. That is for inpatient or day case treatments. So when people are actually right. going in to get an operation rather than being referred for chiropody or physiotherapy or whatever, which is what the outpatient treatments would generally refer to. Um, now, that um, the, the 12-week guarantee, again, it, it's the same kind of thing. It's from point of referral to getting your treatment. Um, far fewer people get these kinds of referrals just because, yeah. because of the nature of, of what the treatments are. Um, so, so figures provided for, by Public Health Scotland show that from the time that that um, guarantee came in, in December 2012 to December 2020, that target was breached 330,143 times, mm -hmm. um, which th that is lower than the 380,000 that Willie Rennie was talking about. But also the figures show that as at the end of December, there were just over 86,000 people waiting uh, for outpatient treatment and of that 54,000 had been waiting for more than 12 weeks so th they won't necessarily all need treatment in the end but if you add those two together that comes to just over 380,000 um, who, who had been waiting for more than 12 weeks for treatment. Okay so Willie Rennie's got the right figures but given them the wrong name. 
He has, he has, yeah. So, so I suspect he probably just misspoke, but actually by misspeaking, yeah. th- th- there's a huge difference between what that 18-week waiting time target refers to and what that 12-week yeah. waiting time target refers to. They're completely different standards. It's completely different types of treatment. So we gave him a half-true. Like, he, mm. he, he was on the right lines, but he was talking about the wrong targets. So he's not entirely correct there. That's all for episode five of the FFS show. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you want to help us do more podcasting and more fact checking, you can subscribe to The Ferret for just three pounds a month at ferret.scot forward slash subscribe. So, Max, we're getting very, very close to the election, aren't we? We are. We are. But I think we have time for just one more podcast before uh, the polls open on the 6th. I think we'll probably have time to get some more of those leaders claims in. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I imagine the next podcast will be stuffed full of dubious claims from political leaders and hopefully some sort of special guest. A special who, guest? Cannot, yeah, cannot yet be confirmed. But let to your be revealed. Go, yeah, let your imagination go wild. It is. See you next time. See ya. See ya.